0: This is Spin Control, a fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Spin,
1: turn a spinning wheel. Make me some of your magic thread. Spin.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 123 just June. In this episode, I have got some knitting, some spinning, I'm all spun up about the problems with my stash, and I've got a little tale for you about our shearing adventures. But of course, we will kick this episode off with some updates. So right now, I am recording this episode from the beautiful Moraine Park campground in the Rocky Mountain National Forest outside of Estes Park, Colorado. And I'm so happy to be here. This is wonderful. I am sitting on the bed in a camper and I dragged my mini spinner up here uh, with me and I am sitting behind that spinning wheel if you hear the noise and just spinning on some beautifully bright colored uh, fiber and loving it. So that is pretty awesome. So what else do we have going on on updates? This month is just really, the whole month of June has really just been packed full of everything. Of course, Itty Bitty had a birthday. She is now 20 years old, which is awesome. Um, we have this camping adventure. So we're spending an entire week up here in the Rocky Mountain National Forest. And it's wonderful. There's probably four of us, four of our my knit girls from the Spinners with Altitude knit group from Colorado Springs that I hang out with all the time. And we are all up here camping in. So we're not like I can camp like super rugged, but, you know, I prefer not to. It's really a lot harder to drag all this fun stuff I want to take with me. But we rented a hard sided pop up camper and we pulled it behind the truck and we are up here for the whole week. We uh, checked in Sunday check out on Saturday and it's just going to be a whole week worth of you know, a whole lot of nothing, just doing the things I want to do and not working at someone else's pace. So, it's awesome. I'm already so relaxed, we're sleeping comfortably, and the temperature is like perfect. It's nice and cool at night, but it's beautiful during the day. And I'm just so super enthusiastic and excited. I've been waiting for this trip for a long time. We of course had to cancel last year. We normally plan this trip like the week leading up to the Estes Park wool market but like it totally slipped our minds like which week we'd normally come up here because the wool market had been canceled. So we're actually about two weekends past when we would normally do this trip. So every year we try to make it up here. There's at least four of us every year. And when the wool market is actually taking place, a bunch of the other knitters will like stay in town or just come up for the weekend and they will like join us for dinner out at the campground for at least like one night. We do like a potluck. Everybody brings something like my first night coming or my first year coming to Estes Park Woolmarket. I actually stayed in a hotel in town and came out for like the Saturday potluck and it was pretty awesome. I made uh, banana boats, which is campfire dessert, which is wonderful. And the minute I saw like the setup that they had, I knew that this was something that me and the boy would have to do. Like he won't come to actual... Events with me, he hadn't in the past, but actually Estes Park, I believe, was the first woolly event he ever came to me with. So he came and camped with me last year. We only came, I think we did a long weekend last year, not a full week. Not last year. Jesus. Right? So in 2019, we came for like a long extended weekend. I think we came up Wednesday, checked out on Sunday or Monday, and we're here for the whole event. That was the first time he'd ever come to an event, but I think that was because it was coupled with this nice little camping adventure. And he is super content to be out here hiking with his mountain bike, doing a little fishing, even though he thinks it's the most boring thing on the planet. But yeah, so that's what we're doing. And that's where we are at. I tried to record yesterday, but I couldn't find the cord that I I could have recorded, obviously, but I usually prefer to be spinning or something like that when I record. But I couldn't find all of the setup for my mini spinner. I was missing one cable to connect my mini spinner to the battery so I just kind of scrapped it and spent a lot of time looking for that stuff and cleaning up the camper so I could get everything more organized so yeah that's where we are at what else is going on so in the last episode which was just two weeks ago look at me recording every two weeks um I said I was going to embark on some spring cleaning spring cleaning is going extremely slowly like so slow that it's actually summertime now (laughs) yeah so the solstice just happened And I, the, the craft room is nowhere near clean. We did do a big deep clean, like on the first floor of the house, you know, moving the buffet and the bar and things like that and sweeping behind furniture that you like have neglected for a while, that kind of stuff. So we got all that done upstairs, which was really, really nice. But the craft room is still in a complete state of disarray and probably more so because there were things scattered all around the house upstairs that made their way back to the craft room where they belonged. But hopefully in the next two weeks, I can make some real progress on that. I have like a lot of stuff that I haven't like inventoried and added to my stash and put away like for the initial time. So I need to get that taken care of. So it's kind of a mess right now, but I will get hopefully like fingers crossed. Well, actually it won't be the next two weeks because I'm spending this week here in the National Forest, but maybe by the time I record next, which probably won't be until after the 4th of July week and the 4th of July weekend, I should be able to make some progress on that and maybe have something happy to report. But I think that's just about all I've got and updates. So I guess it is time to get this podcast started. In this episode, I am all spun up about the problems with my stash. So don't get me wrong. I have a lot like a lot, a lot of really beautiful, wonderful yarn. There are very few things in my stash that I look at and go, wait, why did I buy that? And like some of those things I've actually managed to call out over the years, like before COVID, the, my knit group did like a swap. Like we all brought yarn that we no longer were in love with. We brought magazines and books and those kind of things. And I got rid of like someone else is loving that yarn that I have fallen out of love with. So, so that's not really a problem with my stash, but the problem with my stash is I have a bad habit of buying a lot of like super discounted sale yarn, which is great, right? For me. But the problem with super discounted sale yarn is it's often discontinued or no longer in production or, you know, they stop making that colorway. They don't have the same base and other knitters won't be able to get that yarn in the future. So the problem with my stash is I really can't design from my stash. I mean, I could, but I'm, I, can't, I, I don't think what I need to be doing is creating all these wonderful things in yarns no one can get, right? Because sometimes the thing you fall in love with, with a pattern is the combination of the design itself and the yarn that it was put up in. For example, I just swatched for this sweater that I want to make right? But I, it turns out that the beautiful tweed yarn that I selected, which was from sublime is no longer in production, right? So it's completely discontinued. So if I design this beautiful sweater and someone else wants to make it exactly how I made it in the yarn, I made it. They can't because it's going to be really hard to find that yarn because I bought it on like a 75% off sale, like a whole sweater's worth. And And no one else is going to be able to get a sweater's quantity of that yarn unless they did the same thing I did and bought it on super duper discount when it became discontinued, right? So yeah, that's a problem with my stash. I also uh, pulled some yarn out of my stash the other day that didn't even have a label on it, right? Like, well, that's like super ridiculous. There's no way that anyone's going to be able to, to find that if I don't even know what it's called. I'm pretty sure I got that out of the sale bin at my local yarn store, you and me, they knew exactly what it was at the time. They're like, oh yeah, that's what this is. It's $6 for this skein. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it is a wool and cotton blend, you know, by the feel of the yarn, I can kind of feel the cotton in the hand. So, but yeah, so I think I'm just going to have to find a current yarn to actually produce the thing I want to produce <laughs> that I was watching for the other day. Yeah so that's the problem with my stash. It is full of a bunch of discontinued stuff and it's a lovely stash. I love my yarn. I will get years and years of use out of it. However, I can't really design from my stash. (sighs) And that's what's got me all spun up this time around. And now it's on to spinning my wheels. I've been super busy and very, very productive over the last couple weeks. And that makes me happy. I did actually get the gift of promise cardigan blocked and it was nice and cool. Like the weekend after I did that. And I was actually able to wear it out in public, like in the mornings and the evenings, not like midday, but, but yeah, a wool cardigan. And I was able to wear it in June out in public, which was pretty awesome. So every now and again, in, it's typically in June. My knit group will do park knitting. So we go to this little park called the Fox Run Park out in, uh, out near Black Forest, Colorado and set up camp chairs near picnic tables and people watch. And oftentimes they have like June weddings at this beautiful gazebo in this little lake that they have in the park. That weekend that I finished the cardigan, I was able to wear it to park knitting because it was nice and cool. We, I got out there about 11 o'clock in the morning and we were in a nice shady spot. So I actually got to wear it to park knitting and show it off to the knit girls. Made me happy. There were only three, about three or four of us that showed up that weekend, but it was great. You know what I mean? It was really good to be able to wear knitted objects in front of people that appreciated it. I mean, I really did. Like, I think every single day I wore the cardigan in one way, shape or form because it was done and I wanted to wear it. Right. And it wasn't too hot. So that was fantastic. I brought it with me on the camping trip. So those evenings by the fire. I should be able to wear it and stay warm and it'll be nice and toasty. So that's pretty awesome. I also finished those striping socks. All I had left on those was to do the afterthought heel and I got that finished, and I've worn those a couple times as well. Very happy and very pleased with that. I even managed to get a picture uh, posted in my uh, projects on Rev, So that's cool. And I think there may also be a shot of those on Instagram, but I'll definitely link to images in the show notes and so i did bring the boyfriend socks out of timeout but i actually spent the other night it was i think friday night um in preparation for camping like unknitting like 3 additional rows on the one sock because i like is that a drop stitch wait a minute my count is off again but i didn't want to give up and just put them back into timeout and i actually had the time and focus the boy was working the late shift. So I had some extra time on my hands before he got home. And it was nice and quiet because my, you know, girls are adults now. And even though they live in my house, they have lives of their own. It was nice. So I got those all prepped and ready to bring with me on my camping trip. So for camp knitting, I brought three different things and they're all unfinished items. So the UFOs I brought with me, one are the boyfriend socks, and I can really am only going to be able to do those work on those during the day. Because I realized when I was doing the unknitting that, yeah, I might need some reader glasses and I'm not a huge fan of that idea. Not, yeah, I'm like that close work in that gray colored sock yarn was just killing me. I'm like, oh, this is awful. I can't see a thing. Is that a drop stitch? I don't know. So yeah, I'm definitely going to be only be able to work on those during the day in great light. And that's what I'll, when I'll be able to work on those. And then, of course, I think I'll be able to make some decent progress on those, like in the car on the trip back home because it's a three hour drive. Okay. also, so in November, I know that was a long time ago. In November, I started making these knit pumpkins and normally normal. So normally what I do when I set up to record, I look up everything that I'm working on to make sure like I'll have either a page open on my iPad or something like that so I can Reference designers and get yarns right and all that stuff, and I don't misspeak, right? Yeah, so I can't do that because there's zero signal in the Rocky Mountain National Forest. Like, I theoretically will be able to get this podcast recorded, transfer it over to my computer by cable, get it edited, but I'm not going to be able to post it till I get back home because I don't have any service out here at all, which is kind of fantastic and like 50% of the point of coming out here. So it's a miniature pumpkin pattern that I started. In November and I'm going to include those like in my fall centerpiece like several knit pumpkins and I'm using a lot of like random bits and pieces like hey look at this chunky pantspun yarn I did a million years ago that is in these beautiful fall colors so I'm knitting with some of that kind of stuff and it's really great there it's a chunky weight on big needles which is exactly kind of what I needed after that cardigan that you know said it was DK but lied Yeah. So I've got the knit pumpkins. Those are great. And I will link to the actual pattern producer and the designer in my show notes so I can do her justice and give her credit for her work there. It's a great little pattern and it's super quick. And she's got like three or four different versions. I actually think she designed like series one pumpkins and series two pumpkins. So there's like six different variations in two patterns you can purchase from her. So that's pretty great and I will definitely include that information in the show notes. So that is project 2 I brought with me for Camp Knitting. Project 3 is another finished object which is absolutely 100% shameful that I have not finished it. So don't tell anybody. So I designed a shawl called Rubric. It was published in the Color Blocks collection from Knit Picks this past winter, like February. And what they do, so what KnitPix does for their publications. Every publication is a little bit different, but what they do is if they accept your design, one, they will send you the yarn to knit your own version of it so you can check your work and make sure everything is good. And then they also select separate colors that go along with the rest of their theme and they will have a sample knitter create the product that's going to be photographed. So then me as the designer, I didn't have to send anything back to them. I didn't have to finish anything by a deadline. I just used it to check my work, right? So this pattern was like written at the end of last year, published in February of this year, and I still haven't finished my version. (laughs) of it. It's only about halfway done, right? It is a huge shawl and I apologize to anyone who knits it because it is fingering weight on size four needles and it is garter stitch. Yeah, I know. I'm so sorry. It's like, I really love the final product. But it's got to be the most boring thing I've ever knit. And it's my design. How horrible is that? Right? I'm so sorry. It is so boring. Like, literally, I think the end product is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. But man, I really don't think a whole lot of people are going to knit it. Maybe people will start it, but I don't think a lot of people are going to finish it. So I feel like I have an obligation to finish it because it's my design. So... Yeah, so I'm, I'm hoping to make some progress on that this week. That's, it's a good one because it's a really long shawl. It's like, I think like 80 inches maybe wide by about 20 inches deep. So that's a good one for like next to the fire because you've got all this like wool on your lap, like on the cold nights, because it's getting down into the 40s and 50s at night and we all sit by the campfire and kind of knit. So, so it'll be good for that. So that's what I brought for campfire knitting. Right. Okay. So that's all I've got on my needles at this point. I haven't started anything new because I really did spend like all last week swatching like I said I was going to do. I swatched for four different potential designs. I swatched for this sweater that I want to create and it's a very, very plain Jane simple sweater. I'm actually going to call it plain Jane Glory. But I believe, fingers crossed, that will be my first actual garment that I design and publish. So I really do like the yarn but I'm gonna have to find a modern I think I'm going to end up making two samples. One, like where I actually kind of construct as I go with the Sublime yarn that I'm working with. And then the second where I pick a modern available Tweety yarn and make a second version with, so that I have and use that for like images and samples. So, so we'll see. So I swatched for that. I swatched for a triangular shawl. I swatched for like a lightweight, lightly laced scarf. I'm absolutely completely unhappy with the final result but that may be the the yarn so we'll see and I also swatch for another rectangular shawl that it's like an all-over stitch pattern that's pretty simple but I have some ideas for some finishing details that I think kind of make it a little more interesting but yeah it's it's really pretty the yarn I'm working with for that right now is an Emma's yarn hella hank So yeah, again, fingering, I really need to stop designing fingering weight shawls that are oversized because man, they take forever. So at least the triangular shawl is definitely in a worsted weight on size eights. So that one should like knit up super fast. I really enjoy that. Um, and I actually, so I don't really swatch for other people's designs, but I swatch for my own because there's no way I could do the math without knowing the gauge, right? with the shawls the gauge isn't like super important but it will definitely change the drape and the hand and just the overall fabric you know the results of the fabric that you get so and of course if i'm doing math i'm gonna need to know what my stitches per inch and my row count is so yeah that is what i've been working on so camp spinning this is what i've got going on in spinning so i brought the mini spinner and i'm working on that now actually i let it turn off for a second I'm spinning on, I can't even remember. It's by Daisy Knits, I think. And I got this a million years ago, I think in 2012 at an event. I'm not sure if she's still dying, but if she is, I will link to her product page on my notes, but it's super soft and it's lovely. I think it's like a merino and silk blend. It's what it feels like. I don't have the tags and I don't have access to my website stuff so i can look it up for you but i'll it'll be in the show notes i promise i'm so super sorry and then in addition to the mini spinner i also brought one of my jenkins turkish spindles and the bubblegum colored yarn that i or fiber that i've been uh, spinning on with that that is a pear wood aegean spindle and it is super lovely like it's been i definitely neglected all of my turkish spindles so I tried learning how to spin on a top whirl spindle in the very, very beginning. And I had almost given up. And then my mother randomly bought me a Jenkins. I'm trying to even think of what size it was. She got me a Jenkins Turkish spindle for my birthday in a Purple Heart base. And that I had absolutely no problem spinning on that bottom whirl. I don't know what it was, the way it's weighted, the way my mind works, the way my hands work. But I still, I mean, I'm sure I could muster my way through it if I had to. But I'm not the most coordinated with a top roll spindle. But the bottom rolls I can get with no issues whatsoever. So that's pretty cool. So I brought those two things with me. And I should be able to make some progress on those. Because, hey, you know, I've got all day long. I've got no obligations. I've got no meetings. I've got no work that's due. No one's gonna be calling me to interfere with any of the stuff I've got going on. Yeah. So that is what I've got going on in Spinning My Wheels. And now it's on to Spin a Tail. And in this episode, I'm going to tell you all about our adventures in alpaca shearing. Our breeder, our alpaca breeder, where we got our three animals he lives about four miles from us. He has a herd of about a hundred alpaca. His alpaca are amazingly wonderful. Like his whole herd has just got an amazing temperament. They're all super sweet. They're just, it's overall the temperament and the feel that you get off of his herd is just amazement. I have seen a couple of herds that like the animals were just more intimidating. They didn't like people as much as his do. They didn't seem as trained. or, you know, as, as a cu- custom to people, they weren't handled like regularly in the manner that I would have taken one of those animals back to my house. But his herd is amazing. And he is just an all around nice guy. His name is Peter Zeke. And he is the owner of wild hair alpaca in Black Forest, Colorado. And every year And I'll definitely link to his website and his stuff. He's actually on Instagram now, which is hilarious. I think like maybe one of his kids or grandkids got him on, got him on Instagram because he'll, he will be 76 this year. Uh, And I highly doubt that he got himself on Instagram. So he's a really nice guy. And every year at shearing time, we work around his schedule for when he's going to shear his hundred head of alpaca. And we will find a weekend that works for us and go down and use some of his equipment like the boy, bought his own clippers. He has his own shearing clippers, but we don't have like a table and that kind of stuff. And the cost investment is super high for just the two head of alpaca that we have. And Peter's just such a nice guy. He's like, yeah, you can use my table anytime. No problem. Go for it. So this year, and I think it was probably after the two hottest days of the year had already passed, like the two hottest weeks of the year had already passed, we finally got down to shear them the day before we left for camping. So on the 18th of June, no, Saturday, the 19th, we packed the boys into the trailer, took them down to the opaca farm and spent about two and a half hours shearing them. So it theoretically shouldn't take that long. However, we're novices. We're, and according to Peter, we only have to do this like 25 more times before we're really, really good at it because we only have the two head and we only shear them once a year. Right. So yeah, we're not amazing. <laughs> Matt does most of the work, you know, and I care for the animals and make sure he's got what he needs so that it goes as quickly and smoothly as possible. Last year to shear the three alpaca, it took us like four and a half hours. We had so many problems with the clippers and it was just awful. Like literally a set of clippers died in his hand while one of the alpaca was like half shorn only on one side of his body And I'm like, oh, we got to figure something out because we can't take two alpacas completely unshorn and one alpaca home with just half of his body shorn. That would have been absolutely hilarious. This year, we had minimal to no issues. Everything went super smoothly. We had an extra set of hands helping us and it was great. And the weather was perfect for it. We got over there nice and early. We were at the farm by eight so that we could beat the heat of the day. And we were out of there by 11, which is awesome. So, and our helper didn't actually arrive till closer to nine. So we really only spent about two hours, about an hour on each boy. And while they're on the table, you know, we clip nails and check their teeth and they get shots and they get things like that so that we can, you know, maintain their health and their lifestyle. And I'm just so very thankful that it went smoothly this year because last year was actually quite traumatic for Matt. Because he's always worried he's going to hurt them. You know what I mean? He doesn't want to nick them. He doesn't want them to be traumatized because it's taken so long. But last year, this year was dramatically improved from the two, two past years. And hopefully next year is even better. But now I have two beautiful new fleeces in my collection that I have no idea what I'm going to do with. One of the things that I'm learning about being the owner of said alpaca is you end up with everything that comes off of the animal, right? So I have three years worth of seconds and thirds that I have no idea what I'm going to do with. So I'm, I mean, you can use them theoretically for a ton of stuff, but like, I don't really have time to learn how to felt so that I can felt things out of the alpaca seconds and thirds. What I may end up doing is just cleaning all the seconds and thirds And maybe selling them like in my Etsy shop or something, just to really bring down my stockpile of seconds and thirds, because I don't know what I'm going to do with them. There's so much, and I haven't done a whole lot of cleaning of alpaca fleece. I mean, you know, we've only owned them for three years, and yeah. So I have a stockpile of alpaca fleece. I need to figure out what to do with the seconds and thirds, because if not, I'm going to need a whole nother room for just alpaca fleece, and and that's not cool. (laughs) Right? Yeah. So we had a great time this year sharing the animals and everything went smoothly. And next year should be even better. Well, it looks like it is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. I have had a really wonderful time sharing with you this time around and it was great. And hopefully, I'll have more to share next week. Like I was quite verbose this time around. I'm pretty proud of myself. You know how I struggle with that sometimes, right? So normally by this time, like I said, I have that internet connection thing going and I can pick a song before we even start recording and be ready to talk all about that at the end when I close things up. But yeah, no internet connection. I will be selecting a song on the fly at the end of this episode and hopefully you all enjoy it in the weeks to come, we actually don't have a whole ton of stuff planned. So maybe we can get some stuff done around the house, some projects like the spring cleaning that needs to happen in the craft room. And I don't think we have any travels coming up. Yeah. So like both of my girls will be out of town for the 4th of July weekend. We won't have anybody watch the house while we're out of town. So I think we're spending 4th of July in Colorado Springs, which I don't mind whatsoever because I don't think like my brother and his family are really going anywhere. So that's awesome. Alright. As always, you can get the details about this episode and all the past episodes at spincontrolpodcast.com. You could email me at Shiloh at ForeverHandmade.com and catch me on Ravelry and Instagram as Forever Handmade. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon.
2: my best friends, Water is the evidence that washes me from end to end. With my naked eye, I saw
1: the falling rain coming down on me. With my naked eye, I saw, hot, if I said it all, I could see. It's not a choice I tried to make,
2: it's not a thought I couldn't take. Something told me it was time to give you yours and leave me mine. A vision started to be clear, I watched the sunlight come